What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have a Brittany Rathke on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Brittany, I'm just going to toss at you, start wherever you'd like with your story. Thanks, Shelly. I really appreciate you having me today. Um, this is such an important platform for women uh, to hear other stories and to share their own. So I just really appreciate it. So thank you very much for having me today. Um, my husband, Preston, and I met in college in 2011. Um, we dated for a while and we got married in 2016. We wanted to wait a little bit before having kids, um, just kind of to like enjoy being married and stuff, um, just the two of us. So we didn't really actually start um, thinking about seriously having kids until May 2019. Um, I got birth control at that point um, and I knew that you needed a few months to like regulate and um, I'm a teacher so I wanted to start uh, you know, in like August, because it would be really great if like the first time <laughs> you tried, it would actually work out. Unfortunately, as we all know, it doesn't really work out that way sometimes. But, um, so we were thinking about starting to try in August. And so I got off, um, in May to kind of start regulating. Um, after that, my period wasn't really regular, unfortunately. Um, like I would get one every like few months or so. And so that was a little concerning to me. So I actually went and got blood work done in August 2019 and everything came back like completely normal. So that was really good to hear because I was honestly a little anxious um, about getting started. So that was nice to hear. Um, in August 2019, uh, we did start trying and I'm kind of embarrassed to say this because I know for a lot of people it's, um, it's a struggle and I kind of always had a feeling that this would take a little bit more time for me. Um, my mom had had a miscarriage with her first, um, but then went on to have four healthy kids. Um, and my sister had struggled with infertility for a little bit, um, and just kind of unexplained. She also had a miscarriage, um, but now she has three lovely adopted daughters and we love them very much. Um, so I kind of had a feeling that this would be something I should be concerned about. So those few months, even though it was just a few months, were a little, um, a little stressful. But on um, November 16th, uh, I knew it was time to take a test. It was just that time of the month, you know, to kind of see what would happen. And uh, my husband and I had spent the last few months traveling for um, all of our best friends decided to get married within uh, one month of each other in Arizona and Illinois, and we're from Ohio. So it was, it was quite the month of traveling, but it was a lot of fun. So I was feeling really exhausted and, um, my, um, temperature was really high. My skin was terrible. Um, so I kind of just thought either I was like, um, jet lagged or, you know, just fatigued from traveling or I could be pregnant. So I took a test and it was, almost immediately positive and I could not believe it. Um, this was early on a Saturday morning and my husband was still sleeping. So I like, I wanted to scream, but I was like stifling. I was so excited 
Um, I cried and of course I had to take a second test because y'all don't believe the first one. So um, I ha I bought these like, um, my friends make fun of me because I bought like a mass amount of pregnancy tests like off of Amazon. And um, there, I, I trust them, but I just wanted to make double sure. So I went out to the store and I bought a new test and I told my husband, husband I was going out to get bagels. Um, so when I went to go pick up the bagels after I went to the store to get the new test, I couldn't wait. So I just took the test in the Panera bathroom and my husband thinks this is hilarious. So I just felt like I had to mention it. Uh, and that was positive too. So um, that night we um, were scheduled to go to, uh, we went to, college about 20 minutes away from where we live. So we were scheduled to go to a basketball game there that night. Um, and there's a landmark of a chapel that's a pretty big deal for the university. So um, I brought the test with me and I told him there. Um, and he was like so excited. I have a video of it. And even now it's something I like cherish to this moment. It was just, it was so exciting um, for the both of us. So um, my pregnancy was kind of normal for the most part. Um, I got in early for my first appointment. I realized this is not normal for a lot of women um, that they can't get in before week nine, nine or 10. Um, I was probably about five to six weeks at this point. So I was really early, but they got me in, which I'm kind of thankful for because I'm pretty impatient. Um, and I did not believe it until I heard my um, nurse practitioner confirm it, which is silly because it's the exact same test you take at home pretty much. <laughs> but um, so when we were at the... Um, the appointment that day, um, we were kind of closing up and my nurse practitioner left the room and she said to another colleague, I've got another pregnant lady for you. And the other woman said, yay. And then I just started crying. So it really, uh, really felt real that the pregnant woman was me <laughs> and, uh, this was actually happening. So at our first ultrasound, um, we went in again, I was about five or six weeks. It was soon after that first appointment. And they found um, just a gestational sac with nothing in it. And so they told me, like, this is pr probably normal because um, I might be off of my due date and it might be earlier. So to come back in like a week, which is, you know, fine. But um, we were going to tell all our families. We, we don't live um, close to our parents. We live about three hours away from them. And so this was the weekend of Thanksgiving. So we had planned on telling everybody. And um, we wanted to tell everyone in person. So we're like, okay, let's just tell everybody anyways. And this was a really big deal because um, I know a lot of women feel this way, but um, I dreamed about this moment for a really long time. It was getting me through, you know, the thought process of getting prepared, um, just the thought of being able to share with everybody and everyone's excitement about this baby um, was just something I, I really was excited about. And so we told Preston's parents and they were elated. We told my parents and they freaked out and um, his brothers and my sister. And um, it was just really special to have those moments. And I think about those still. Um, so after that weekend of all that joy, we went back at um, the next week for our second ultrasound and we heard the heartbeat. We saw growth. Um, we got a picture and we even like got to see the heartbeat. Um, I'm not sure how they do that, but we got to see that as well. Um, and unfortunately, like when they let us listen to the heartbeat, it was like, it was so quick. I wish I would have asked them to let us listen a little bit longer. Um, but I mean, it was, it was one of the best sounds I've ever heard. Um, we felt extremely relieved. Um, my blood work that I had to follow up with came back normal. 
everything was fine. Um, and then because of modern technology, um, I have one of those online um, test results accounts. And my, um, on, from that specific ultrasound, the heartbeat that they recorded was 86 beats per minute, which is really slow. And of course, I looked that up on Google, like I, like I should not be doing, but I did. Um, but no one mentioned it. Like no one seemed concerned. And I was just like, huh, that's a little strange, but maybe since they were so little. Um, by the way, if I say he at some point during this, we had no idea what the gender of our baby was. I just kind of had a feeling it was a boy. So if I slip and say he, that's why. Um, so we kind of just went about our business. Um, around nine weeks, um, it was on Christmas Eve. We were again um, home with our families for the holidays, so a few hours away from where we live. Um, my nausea basically disappeared. I was feeling really nauseous throughout my pregnancy. I was really thirsty, which I didn't know was a thing. Um, I was feeling very tired, and um, I contacted my doctor's office and they said it was okay because I was almost at the end of the first trimester. So they're like, it's completely normal if your symptoms like start to subside, which I was like, oh, that's kind of thankful for that. But at the same time, it was a little concerning. So um, two days after Christmas, um, we were at my parents' house for my family's Christmas and um, I started to bleed. And um, so I, I, I felt it happening. And so I went into the bathroom and I called for my mom. And um, when I did that, I had this strange like deja vu from when I got my first period because it was, I don't know what, <laughs> what it was, but it was just like, it was in the same bathroom, the same feeling and the same like concern, but obviously this was more intense, but it was, it was really strange. Um, my, my husband Preston had just left um, to go to the batting cages with my nephews and my dad and my brother. And so I had to call him back home. Um, my mom came rushing in and she, like I said, had had a miscarriage. So she just knew what this meant too. Um, and I called my doctor. Um, and again, they really didn't seem concerned. They told me to um, go to the emergency room because it was a Friday afternoon. And again, I was hours away from their office. So, um, I got myself together and my husband, my mom and I went to um, the emergency room. Um, that was just like a whole experience in itself. Unfortunately, um, we were there for a total of like five hours. Um, we waited a while for my blood work first. Um, and then we had a while to wait between when I would get two kinds of ultrasounds, a transvaginal, and then, um, the one over your belly, which I had never gotten before. Um, so my mom and I were talking, um, you know, just kind of in between me crying and feeling, you know, okay, this is going to work out and it's okay. People bleed and so many different emotions. And we kind of had like a light moment where we were laughing about something. And then, um, we were in a large hospital ER. And so over the intercom, we hear like this lullaby sound, Brahms lullaby. And, um, and I knew that that meant that there was a baby being born in the maternity wing. And of course I lost it. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, there's, that's so beautiful that these women are, you know, having something that I know I want and I hope that I can have that moment. And here I am wondering if my baby's okay. So that was really tough. Um, 
when, when we got to the ultrasound, um, I had to be wheeled down to the ultrasound room, which I just thought was kind of over the top. But um, when I was being wheeled down to that wing, um, like I said, it was a large hospital. It was after hours, so a lot of the lights were turned off, and it just kind of seemed like a little eerie. Our, um, our ultrasound tech was a little all over the place, unfortunately, as well. Um, she couldn't find anything when she was doing both ultrasounds. She was making little noises, um, and I was really trying to keep it together because obviously I'm not thinking too positively at the moment. And I'll never forget um, Preston's face when I was looking over at him, just trying to be calm because this ultrasound tech wasn't being very helpful. It was taking a long time, and he just looked like he was looking for something that wasn't there. And I knew that something was up, but I know that she couldn't tell us anything, the ultrasound tech. So when she was done, she said, um, yeah, so you'll hear from the doctor soon. And I said, I'm, I'm aware of this already because I've done a few of these before, but you can't tell us anything, right? Because normally if something's good, you know, they show you and they are a little bit more positive. And uh, she said, no, I can't tell you. And you guys know, like stories like yours, they don't usually have a happy ending. I, and I just could not believe that she said that to us. I was like, does she know that we're miscarrying and she's not telling us? Does she know that there's nothing there? Like how, how do these people know something that I don't know? And, um, that was very frustrating, obviously. Um, so even after that moment, we still had to wait um, and finally, we found out that I had a um, subchorionic hemorrhage and uh, threatened miscarriage. So I wasn't allowed to do any heavy lifting. I had to take it easy, um, all of the above. And after that moment, you know, I was kind of like, oh, great. You know, this is not a very good prognosis. And my husband, Preston, goes, you're still pregnant, but you're still pregnant. And that's kind of what I held on to for, um, for the next week. Um, so thankfully I was off, I'm a teacher, so I was off school for that week, which is very nice. Um, so I can imagine if I had to work during that week because I was so stressed out, I was really trying to take it easy and listen to what the doctor said. In that week, um, I tried to follow up with my doctor, um, where we live, um, and they were trying to get into contact with the hospital where I had gone by my parents' house. And I'd asked multiple times for a nurse practitioner to call me so I can ask some questions because, you know, I hadn't bled since it was just that one instance of bleeding and they kind of gave me that prognosis. And then that was it. Like that was, that was all I heard from them. So I kind of wanted to ask my caretakers some personal questions and know, you know, what to do and what to look for. And every time I asked somebody to call me, they would have a reason why my nurse practitioner couldn't call me that she left early um, they said that they would leave a note, but then no one would call me and I would follow up. And it was just a whole lot of miscommunication. And, um, this went on for almost a week, which was extremely frustrating. So because of um, New Year's day and everything, they decided to, um, just schedule me another ultrasound at our, you know, where we live, um, on January 2nd. Um, and they never got the information from the ER where we visited the week prior. 
And like I said, that whole time I didn't bleed, um, except for on New Year's Eve, right before like midnight, um, I did bleed a little bit, which I was more so just disappointed because it was to be expected at that point, just with having the hemorrhage and everything. I just kind of knew that this wasn't the end of it. Um, and that whole week I was in a strange way. I'm kind of thankful for that week because I was kind of able to mourn, um, this baby and just the whole process and everything. I knew something was wrong. I knew something wasn't right, but no one would tell me. And that was the worst part, knowing that something's not right and uh, feeling like no one else would listen to you. Obviously my, my support system, my family, my husband, you know, everyone was there for me physically and emotionally, which was fantastic. But I feel like the, the professionals that were supposed to be taking care of this baby weren't communicating with me. And I was trying to do everything in my power to do so. So on the 2nd of 2020, uh, we went to um, our local hospital for our ultrasounds where we normally go. Um, and of course, when we went in, uh, the ultrasound tech said very gently and kindly, there's, there's just no baby. And like I said, I kind of already knew. And so I, I didn't react in the way I always you know, if, I thought if this happened, I would be immediately a mess. But at that point, I think I was just numb to it. I had mourned, you know, this baby for the past week and I had had my concerns. And um, so I just said, okay, you know, I understand. Um, and then I was like, well, where did it go? You know, that sounds kind of silly, but I was like, where, what happened? And she said, well, the, you know, some of the tissue that you already passed, it probably just passed with that tissue which I, I hadn't passed a whole lot, but, um, so I was like, okay, so I basically flushed my baby down the toilet, which made me then be extremely upset. Um, it just felt unfair. It felt like I did something wrong. Um, and that just wasn't the way that that just wasn't supposed to happen. So then I asked, um, what happens next? Um, and she said that I would probably cramp more. Um, I would probably pass more tissue, um, bleed more. And she said, so just be prepared for that. Um, but not a whole lot of explanation. She shared that she had two miscarriages and that's what happened with hers, I guess. And, um, so she gave us some time, um, left the room and Preston got pretty emotional. Um, he's not a pretty emotional person, but I think it hadn't really set in with him until that moment. So, um, I was comforting him and that was probably one of the, that was probably the hardest part, obviously, um, next to the news, but just seeing him that way. So on the ride home, I was still kind of numb to everything. And as I was pulling out of the hospital, I just got hit with this sense of he needs a name and the name needs to be Anthony. Um, I don't know why, but I just got hit with that. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to let that kind of sit for a little bit and see how I feel about it. And later on, I was just still really stuck with me. So, um, in my head, I named, I named him Anthony. Um, so at that point, like we were about, we were 10 weeks and five days. Um, I have a feeling, uh, we lost him a, probably when I start, when I stopped feeling, um, nauseous at that point. So probably about nine weeks. Um, but that night I did bleed more. Um, I got up to go to bed around nine o'clock and I could not leave the bathroom. I was passing clots. Um, it was nonstop. It was, it was painful. Um, and they had told me 
the ER doctor had told me that it would feel like my worst period ever, which it did, but this was obviously next level. So, you know, I'm sitting there texting my mom, letting her know what was going on. And she was like, shouldn't you, should you go to the ER? And I was like, mom, I'm not going to go to the ER for them to tell me that I'm miscarrying. I'm aware. Like, I know. So um, during that moment, my friend, Kristen, who's a physician's assistant, um, she happened to text me. Um, she was also pregnant at the same time as me, um, due days away from me, also had a subchorionic hemorrhage and was genuinely just checking in. Um, and she had also had a miscarriage with her first child. Um, and she basically walked me through what to do. Um, she, you know, first helped me emotionally and was like saying she was so sorry at that point. She had no idea that I was miscarrying in the moment. Um, but she talked to me as a friend first and then she talked to me, you know, from a medical standpoint and gave it the best advice she could. And I, I just had to wonder why no one else had done that for me, you know, just in the medical field, like why no one had said, listen, this is what it's going to be like. Um, not that the, anyone can prepare you for this moment, but this is how you're going to feel. This is what you can do in that moment to make you feel better. Um, you know, just what to expect at all whatsoever. And so I was really thankful for that. Um, that she was there for me in that moment. So uh, that night I slept on the floor, a sleeping bag in a puppy pad under me. I was too worried about, you know, ruining my sheets. My husband was like, get in bed. Like, what's wrong with you? Um, and my dog thought the puppy pad was for her. So she decided to sleep with me the whole night, which is very sweet. We appreciate dogs that way. Um, so the following day I got a call from my nurse practitioner and uh, she was like, what are you doing right now? And I was like, I'm drinking my coffee. And she goes, okay, stop drinking. We're going to get you scheduled for a DNC. Um, and you're not allowed to eat either. And I was like, oh, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like she hadn't even really asked how I was feeling. She did confirm that we miscarried, which we already knew. Um, but it was just, it was so quick. And so in that moment, this was, keep in mind, this was the first time in a week where I had actually had the time to speak with my nurse practitioner. So I started asking some of the questions I wanted to know. And she started to get a little frustrated with me because honestly, she wanted to get me scheduled. It was a Friday. So she wanted to get me scheduled for um, the DNC that day. So I understand that, but you know, I, I was waiting for a week to hear some answers about like what was going on. And, um, what I could do to make this better and what I could do to make this right. Obviously it was too late, but I still had things I needed to get answered. Um, so once we kind of talked through that and she quickly answered my questions, um, we scheduled the DNC. Um, I didn't really honestly know that there were other options until I started listening to, you know, this podcast and reading up on other things. I had no idea that um, I didn't have to do a DNC. Now, I'm glad I did because I think that for me, as far along as I was, um, I had to, and they, they did mention that. Um, but I was a little scared. I never had a surg surgical procedure done. Um, I had never had anesthesia, which they couldn't believe. So um, it was kind of a jarring day where you get terrible news the day before, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, look like you're on the set of Grey's Anatomy, like being rolled in. It was just surreal. So, um, my parents actually drove down and met us at the hospital. It was really nice. And when they were getting me prepped and everything, um, a really kind nurse 
gave me um, a piece of paper and she was being very delicate with it. And she said, okay, just so you know, this is what we're going to do um, with the remains of your, your child. So you have to look for the final resting place for your child. And I looked at the list and it said death certificate. It said private burial. It said leave at the hospital. And I just obviously lost it. Um, the fact that we were in this position as it was, I could not, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. But the fact that I basically had to, we had to make like funeral plans for our son, like who was, we never got to meet. And I just could not believe that. Um, I was thankful for it because they did have an extra option where there was kind of like a mass pregnancy loss plot for the hospital at a local cemetery. Um, and that was like complimentary and everything, which was really, really kind. So we decided that um, that's what we would do. And it was kind of a new thing. So we decided on that one. Um, I'm, like I said, I was thankful that I got the procedure done because there was still 70% of the tissue left. I had, and I had passed a lot the night prior. So I was kind of surprised that uh, there was still that much left, but it went well. Um, doctor said it wasn't due to fertility or anything which is fantastic. And then, you know, it was, it was over. Um, so the weeks after were obviously tough and trying. Um, there was a lot of random tears, days where my husband would feel sad and we would console him and days when I would feel sad and he would console me. It was just a lot of back and forth. And um, so kind of to get this closure, I wanted to contact the cemetery where the plot would be at. And so the weeks following, I contacted the cemetery and the hospital consistently to follow up about this plot. And um, I kept getting told to leave a message or speak to another person. And I just kept saying, okay, like, you know, I, I do want to know when this tissue is moved, when they are moved to the final resting place so I can pay a visit. Um, they said that they were going to have like a little ceremony. So I would like to be a part of that. You know, it was just a way of us truly saying goodbye. So, um, I had been told by a few people that, Hey, give me your name. I will call you as soon as I hear anything about this, blah, blah, blah. And, um, after a while, I just couldn't, I couldn't call anymore with people telling me, no, oh, it's not happening. It's not happening. Don't worry about it. Um, so about almost two months later, I randomly called the cemetery and I found out that they had buried him a month prior without telling me. Um, so essentially I was not invited to my son's funeral. Um, I'm fully aware that this was not just for him. I'm fully aware that this was just a mass, you know, um, ceremony for all of these pregnancy losses, which is just devastating. But they said that they have all of the mother's names on a list. And so they would, they told me that they would contact all of these people because why would you not contact somebody if this is happening? Um, so I just, I'm not the, let me speak to your manager person. That's, that's never been who I am, but, um, I just couldn't, I couldn't rest with the idea that there were women out there that didn't know that, you know, their son or daughters 
you know, earthly body was, was somewhere that they didn't think it was going to be and like, it was, it was in the ground, but they weren't there for it. Like, I didn't want that to ever happen again, because again, while I, I'm fully confident that my son is safe and I believe he's in heaven, um, the thought of the parts of him not being with me and just being put somewhere without me knowing just, it just hurt so much. So I wrote a letter to the hospital, just making sure that this would never happen to another set of grieving parents. Um, and I actually, um, we decided to, Preston and I, we decided to go on our own. And in my many phone calls, they told us, oh, there, it would be in um, the infant section. And there's literally an infant section in this huge, huge cemetery. Um, and so we went to the infant section and it wasn't there. And we were just walking through this section of this large cemetery with these tiny graves searching for my baby. And it was a night, it was like a nightmare, like picture my husband and I just walking through all these, you know, these, this small graveyard. And I just, I couldn't believe this was happening. Like no one told me, which was a you know, gut punch in itself. Um, I, I kind of felt, I kind of felt embarrassed. The fact that I was searching for something that apparently wasn't there. Like it was just a confusing situation. Um, so eventually the hospital did reach out and they apologized with a personal letter, um, which was very nice and invitation for another, um, another burial. But um, we couldn't go to that one due to the current health crisis. So we will go one day. Um, but I guess kind of uh, in the end, um, the most important thing was that the people around us, our family, our friends, um, they were incredible. I've heard a lot of stories about people not knowing what to say. And, um, and you know, that maybe happened once or twice. But for the most part, I mean, people would say, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for the loss of your son and people using his name. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was mind blowing. Um, people sent us gifts. I mean, it was just, it, it was like, it made him feel real, which he already did to us, but it, it meant so much that other people felt that way too. Um, I, like I said, I felt this immediate peace that he was with my grandparents um, in heaven and he was taken care of. And I, um, I feel very strongly that he's cheering us on in everything we do. I, I don't picture him as a baby. Um, I picture him as, I don't know why, but a, a little boy just being pumped up for, you know, these, these steps that my husband and I are taking to, you know, create a family and do what's best for us and, um, taking time to remember him and, I'm very thankful that I, I feel like I have, I have like a little sidekick. Like I always felt that way when he was with me physically, but, um, I feel like now that I really have somebody that's there with me, um, for the rest of my life and I'll, I'll love him forever. And my husband will love him forever. And, um, you'll never forget that. You are way too nice. <laughs> 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 I know listen, the, the I, things that all happen I'm like oh man I know I know well I mean to be totally fair I mean obviously I, I took out parts where 
I mean, I was calling a lot. And I, it was just, I just couldn't believe, I, I just couldn't believe it. And unfortunately, you know, I really did. I really did everything I could and was, yeah. you know, asking people, but it, it, at the same time, it felt like seriously, like this is still, this is still happening. Like you are still not getting back to me. There was just, unfortunately, so much miscommunication with, um, mm the people that we were trusting to take care of our child. Like it, it was just, I don't know. I just couldn't believe it. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's crazy. No, I always ask at the end of every episode, if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Well, first of all, for somebody in a situation like, like mine, um, I would, I mean, definitely advocate for yourself. And this has really shown me how to, um, Get a group of professionals that are totally in your corner. Um, safe to say that I'm not sure if I will be using the same medical professionals for um, for my next pregnancy. But uh, that that's the first thing, first and foremost. And um, second of all, just there were some people, um, some close friends that just didn't say anything, especially for like a while when I needed it. Um, and for a little bit, I was frustrated, but just giving, giving other people grace, um, if they don't know what to say and giving yourself like even more grace, like grief is so tough. Um, I lost my grandmother a few years ago and it was, it was a really tough process for me to go through that grieving process. And obviously this is completely different, but I learned a lot through grieving that loss to know how it felt to grieve a loss of somebody that you feel so connected to. Now this is, um, this is a different kind of grief that I hope no one feels, but it's a unique kind of grief because you go through it, you, you know, with your partner um, and you go through it different ways. So I just really embraced the idea of leaning into however I was feeling that day. If I was feeling like I just wanted to lay down and watch Netflix, I lay down and watch Netflix. If I felt like I wanted to be really productive and, you know, I would do that. If I wanted to cry, I would cry. Um, so I just hope that women going through this feel and, you know, and men too, you know, the, the dads are a part of this as well. And um, I feel that they should just do whatever is making them get through this pain and it will make it easier on the way out. Absolutely. Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Um, on Instagram, uh, it, my handle is Brit, M-R, two T's. And yeah, I am, um, I am private on Instagram, but you can always message me um, and I would be happy to respond. Awesome. Thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story this morning. I so appreciate it. And I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Keep me posted. And Definitely. Stay in touch. Thank you, Shelly. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. Yes. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Take myself, take my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.